As you know, each Lent we do a homily series on topics that are relevant to us as Christians, but also to many of our loved ones who don't join us in the practice of the faith. This is the seventh and the final homily in the series. And as I've told you in the past, I'm basing this on a series off of the series off of uh, Christophanic's book, and also he did a video in a similar way called The Search. So please go read the book and the video. This is, I had to figure out a way to get this into a homily in somewhat of a timely way. Um, so this week's homily is, do you need the church? Do you need the church? Do you need the church? I mean, sitting here on a Sunday morning, you're like, yeah, yeah, I need the church. Why I'm here, right? Well, let's see what uh, one of the founders of the church says about that, and then we'll jump to the present time. Let's look at St. Paul. In his first reading from today, from Philippians chapter 3, St. Paul makes this statement. Brothers and sisters, I consider everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. St. Paul considered all that he had known and experienced before he encountered Christ as a Pharisee. He considers that whole life as a loss compared to his life after he has come to know Christ. And as we know, Paul then had a conversion experience. Then he spent three years of his life under the tutelage of the church, the first century church up in Antioch. From there, the Holy Spirit sent, he sent him out. And the rest of his life, he formed Christian communities of Christ's church all over the Roman Empire. As St. Paul founded new communities, Sometimes he met with opposition and with persecution. Eventually, even though he was warned to stop spreading the faith and growing the church, St. Paul, for that reason, was executed in Rome by the Romans. Do you need the church? Well, the greatest evangelist in human history would be the first to tell you that you do need the church. And all of the loved ones you're concerned about, they do need the church. St. Paul spent his life bringing Christ and his church to countless souls, and the world was blessed by his work. Now let's jump to the 21st century. The fastest growing religious group is in the Western world is the nuns. The nuns, N-O-N-E-S, nuns. People who don't identify with any particular religion in the United States. Nuns recently surpassed Roman Catholics in the U.S. The younger you are, the more likely you are a nun, and the more likely you are unhappy. These are the folks who are looking at religion and saying, there's nothing in it for them. Therefore, and understandably so, they look for happiness in all sorts of other places. But it's not working. These are the most unhappy generation that we have ever known in America, according to every sociologist who's studying this. 
What if they're throwing away religion because of what they think it is rather than what it actually is? What if in the process they're also throwing away the answers to every question of the human heart? Maybe in this life we need a little bit more than just ourselves and our family and our friend group and what the world offers us. But the church? Really? The nuns might be thinking, isn't that all about incense that makes you sneeze? Bad singing. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> Boring homilies. And a bunch of inconvenient rules. What if, by the church, God means so much more than the modern caricature? So let's go there. And let's begin answering the question, do you need the church, with a NASA, a NASA astronaut, Kevin Chilton. Kevin Chilton is a veteran of three space shuttle missions who logged 704 hours in space. He is also a practicing Catholic. And for his mission into space, he visited with his pastor and asked for the permission to bring with him into space the Eucharist. He was a Eucharistic minister. He wanted God in the form of his Eucharistic body to be with him for every part of his dangerous and beautiful time in space. Chilton is grateful for all the spectacular journeys in his life. They've taken him around the world, literally, in all kinds of places during his long Air Force career, which ended with him being a four-star general. Being an astronaut, according to him, was challenging. However, Chilton believes that the journey of faith, while may not at first thought sound as exciting as space flight, it is ultimately the most important journey we take as human beings. Flying around in the air is absolutely amazing. Anybody who's been on an airplane. We can hop into a plane and it can take us to places we never thought humanly possible in human history. In fact, get into any vehicle. It's going to take you to places you just couldn't go on your own two feet. For instance, the church is a type of vehicle. For centuries, the church has been referred to as the bark of St. Peter. A bark is a ship. The church has been seen as a ship, a boat that can carry you across the waters of this world and safely arrive you on the other shores of life, on the shores of heaven, through the grace of God. The church is essentially the means for us to encounter Christ, the fullness of Christ while traveling through this world where we can trust and follow the authoritative teachings of the successors of St. Peter, who interpret for us the truths of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and help us apply these truths to our lives and each new generation of people, journeying through this life and seeking to be with God in heaven. Beautiful. 
Let's switch to another image. Sequoias. Sequoias are the largest tree in the world. Their roots, they don't go deep, they go wide. And they intertwine with every other sequoia around them, the roots of them. Cut down a bunch of sequoias, leave one standing, a couple of storms later, that tree will fall over. God created sequoias in this way. God also created us in this way. And created his church for the purpose of intertwining our lives together through the ground of the church, grounded in the church. We cannot grow to the full stature God created us to be spiritually, and we cannot endure the storms of this world without being connected to God and connected to each other through the living organism that is the ground of the church that gives us life. Here's the deal. We were made for community. A Harvard study conducted annually, which has been going on for 75 years now, shows how loneliness is more dangerous to your health than smoking a pack of cigarettes each day. The research shows that people who are connected to others in a purposeful community are healthier physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and, and are happier. This should make sense to us as Catholics, right? We were created, follow this, we were created by the Trinity. And the Trinity is a community of three persons who makes us in God's image and likeness. Thus, we were made for community. And specifically for a community that will help us reach the purpose for which the Trinity created us. To be with God forever. Therefore, it also makes sense, then, that God would create the church through Jesus Christ in order to lead his people to him together. We are meant to be in a community with God and a community with each other. Ultimately, this is what heaven is too. It isn't just you and God, it's God in us. How can we honestly arrive at the presence of God at the moment of our death and say we want that community when we didn't want that community here? All of salvation history reflects this truth. God saves us as a people even as he saves us as individuals. Abraham was promised a family as numerous as the stars. These would be God's people. Moses led God's chosen people out of Egypt and into the promised land. King David wasn't just singled out by God. He was called to be a king and establish an earthly kingdom made up of God's people. And when God established his church through Jesus Christ, he didn't just pursue individuals. But he created a community of apostles and then commanded them to go out and baptize everyone in the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptism 
is a connection with the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is a community of believers. Members connected to each other through, <laughs> through one body. Through one body, the Eucharistic body, with Christ as the head. That's the architecture of the church that Christ himself put together. But we have to remember something. Christ's church is human too. While it is divinely instituted by Christ, and the very soul of the church is God's Holy Spirit, the church is still made up of its members who are human beings. Therefore, the church, like any human family, can be messy. Why? Because there will always be some people who will be like bad apples who can ruin the whole bunch. Or ruin the whole bunch by perception, by association. Nevertheless, God chose to partner with humanity in order to change and to save humanity. That was his decision. He chose to partner with us in order to save us. This is the case from the beginning of forming us as his people. Abraham doubted God several times. Moses murdered. David was an adulterer. And Peter, upon whom Christ founded his church, he denied Christ three times. So then, why are we so somehow surprised when we experience certain members of the church who fail to follow Christ's way, who sin, who are hypocrites, who are scandalous in their behavior. All the more, this confirms to me that God is the one who saves us, not human beings. God is the one who works through the instrument of his church, through his sacraments and the apostolic truths he passes on from generation to generation through this church. It is not the individual leaders of his church who save us. It's God who saves us. Using his church, made up of flawed members. Wow. When I encounter scandalous behavior among certain leaders of the church or members of God's children, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to leave because of a human being who should know better, commits a sin. God's blood literally runs through my veins because of my communion with Jesus Christ through the sacrament of the Eucharist. I'm staying. And I've done that now for 25 years as a priest. I love the body of Christ with all of its blemishes and all of its beauty. But for those who cause scandal, two things. First, remove them. If they are in leadership positions like priests and bishops and teachers and coaches who have legitimately done violence to the body of Christ, and if there's criminal activity involved too, lock them away. We see this being done 
as we have now lived for over 20 years with protecting God's children and the many mandates around creating safe environments in our communities. Second, is mercy. We all depend upon the mercy of God, such as a Christian mother who struggles with alcoholism, or a teenager who's confused about who he is, or a person sitting in the pew every Sunday who confesses the same sin even as she continues to strive to allow the grace of God to transform her and set her free. Mercy. The church is also made up of many saints. From centuries past to the saints today who you and I know, not because they have a feast day, but because they live lives of virtue and holiness. And I know several saints in this congregation. The Catholic Church is the oldest institution in the Western world, made up of countless amazing people, fueled by their faith in God, who lived heroic lives of selflessness and did great good in our world, and good for the souls of the people around them. The Catholic Church invented the university system and the first hospitals. It is the largest social service provider in the world. It has been an enduring source of patrimony to the arts, music, architecture, civil law, and civil rights, and the sciences. It is the only living human institution that is still willing to love the sinner while not accepting the sin. And the list goes on. The many and varied ways the Catholic Church has contributed to the good of human societies more than any other institution in the world. It's interesting. A common objection by those who reject religion is the following statement. That religion has caused most of history's wars. False. Exhaustive modern studies looking back at all the wars in every part of the world over 2,000 years since the Christian churches existed have shown that only about 7% of history's wars have been caused by religion. This means that most of the wars of the world and over history, 93% of them, have been caused by something other than religious beliefs. And we only need to look at the 20th century, the past century, to see this. You see that it is modern, fascist, communist, secular, atheistic states that have claimed more lives than all of the wars of human history combined. Historians call the 20th century the bloodiest century in human history. The church isn't just a humanitarian organization. We're filled with a lot of really, really good people and even many saints who have made our world a better place. And the church isn't just about a preacher trying to help God's people get to heaven or a living body founded upon Peter to ensure that truth and matters of faithful morals is preserved, defended, and clarified from generation to generation. The church is all these things and the church is more. Christ provides 
all people of all times and all cultures, anyone who wishes to be a part of his church, with the supernatural gifts called the sacraments. Follow this. The sacraments help to redeem what is natural. And what is natural is fallen. To prepare us for the supernatural. We were born naturally into a broken humanity, but in baptism, we are reborn supernaturally. Our bodies need food to physically survive. Our souls need the supernatural fruit of the Eucharist to spiritually survive. We need to reconcile with other people, and we require the assistance of other people to help us when our bodies are sick. Christ provides the sacraments of reconciliation to forgive all of our sins and the sacrament of anointing of the sick to heal us and strengthen us along the way of life. We grow in stature as we mature into adulthood. The sacrament of confirmation is meant to give us gifts of the Holy Spirit to enable us to continue to mature in the Christian life. The sacrament of holy matrimony, matrimony gives us someone to accompany us through life who will help us get to heaven. And God provides leaders through the sacrament of holy orders who, give, who gives us all these sacraments to help us to get, get across the time and space of our lives. All these sacraments help us on the road to salvation. All these sacraments come to the human race through God's church. But let me tell you this, God's people. Those sacraments are not magic. You have to live the purpose for which God gave them. All the sacraments consecrate the human person. To consecrate means to make holy. Literally, it means to set aside, to set aside for a holy purpose. Well, think about it. This is what every sacrament can do for you. They all make you into the temple of the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul teaches us. For instance, when you receive Holy Communion, the real presence of God dwells inside of you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit, who after you worship God, and receive God in, in the church at Mass, then you're sent out into the world in order to consecrate the world to Jesus Christ and help others become disciples of Jesus Christ. Is this not the mission of our church? And here at St. Francis, and is this not your mission in life as a Christian? A man and a woman who takes the name of Christ, Christian. Is this not our mission to make disciples and disciple makers but first to become disciples when we live as disciples of Jesus Christ each of us then realizes how much we need the church to be disciples remain disciples and make others into the disciples of the Lord do we need the church absolutely we need the church and Christ knew it and that's why he established it. And that's why it continues to this day. Let me end with this story. Or let me end with this a summary of this Lenten homily series. This is the seventh 
and final homily in the Lenten series. In this series, we have tried to address some of the big questions that are important to us. Like, what do you seek? What do you seek in this world? Who are you? What's your identity? Is it, does God exist and is it reasonable to believe in God? Do you have a story and does your story matter? Who do you say that Jesus is and are you living according to who you say Jesus is? Are you worthy of being saved? And do you need the church? Each homily, if you've noticed, builds upon the other homilies progressively. In discovering what we seek, we learn who we are. As we learn who we are and who to seek, we learn that it is indeed reasonable to believe in God. Knowing that God exists and that God is our creator, we know that we have a story, and this story is God's story for us. Our story is intimately connected with Jesus Christ and who he is, the one who redeems our story. And if we follow him, Jesus is the one who will help us fulfill our story. As we develop a personal and intimate relationship with Christ, and not just with him alone, but through the community of believers that he has established the church, we realize that we are worth saving. And so are other people. Which causes us then to see the value of being a disciple and a disciple maker. And the value of being a member of Christ's church on mission to save the souls of our brothers and sisters throughout the world. I once heard this said. How much do you have to hate a person not to share Jesus Christ with them? Let me flip it and say another, another way. Other people that you know and love, who for any number of these reasons over these seven homilies are out there, and they're seeking and so on, and they're desiring, and they're all kinds of stuff, but they don't know who they are and their purpose and why they're in the world and what's available to them. How much do you love them? Do you love them enough to love their soul first and foremost and throughout their life? And do you love them enough to share Jesus with them? How much do you really love them? I pray that you have found this homily series helpful to you. Pray also that you will share these recorded homilies found on our parish YouTube channel with people you know and care about and who you want to be close to God in this life and happy with him forever in heaven. And if not this homily series, because this is just my effort in homilies to take a much longer series, um, show them the video series of church, in the search or give them the book or all of them. Start with the homily and then feed them with more information. As we journey from Lent and into Easter, let us remember who we are and that we have a story from God. Let us know Jesus intimately and believe in him above everything else in this world. Let us see the value of Christ's church and see that we are worth saving and other people are worth our time as we carry to them the presence of God dwelling inside of us. Let us be Christ's disciples and disciple makers. Let us continue the search and invite as many other people as possible 
to search for us and with us. The one who is most worth searching for, living for, and dying with in this world. Jesus Christ, our Savior.